Hello, I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. This series of podcasts is aimed at financial planning professionals and also those who are looking to enter the financial planning profession. We will be talking during the podcast about all things Certified Financial Planner certification related, talking to other CFPs around the world, and also we will be dropping in on some new entrants who've just entered the financial planning profession, and we'll be checking up along the way on a regular basis with them to see how they're getting on. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. And in today's podcast, being between Christmas and New Year, we are talking about a very important subject of debt. And I'm joined by a certified financial planner, Wendy Fleming, who started the charity Ditch Ditch Debt with Dignity back in 2014. Wendy, hello and welcome. Hello there. It's so lovely to be here and thank you for inviting me. That's my pleasure. It's great to have you with me. Now, we are just going to dive straight in and talk about the importance of managing debt um, and all the sorts of worrying things that, that you're seeing and also finishing off by the way that other certified financial planners and other financial planning professionals can help people, particularly at this tough time of the year. Because I think with, you know, with the pandemic that's been going on, that seems to be still going on, um, potentially new restrictions to come, it's been a tough couple of years, particularly on top of everything else, hasn't it? With so many people losing their jobs, so many people being put on furlough and then coming off furlough and potentially not having a job to return to. Um, And I think that, you know, I know some of my friends were forever... Uh, ordering stuff on Amazon. So Amazon shares must be through the roof after the last two years. Um, but it it has consequences, doesn't it? So tell us a bit about yeah. what you're seeing. Yeah, it's been a huge roller coaster. And yeah, the recent changes and obviously the rise um, in the latest um, cases of COVID is just adding more stress to an already stressful situation. It ditched out with dignity. I've got to be honest. We've been surprised that we've not had a tsunami of people asking for help. And I think that is for a number of reasons. Um, Furlough definitely helped, although I know that's come to an end. Um, But I don't think we are seeing the run-on effect of that coming to an end yet. I think a lot of people are still managing through it. um, But I do feel there will be consequences of that. Um, So I think it's kind of being saved off a bit. The other thing is, Creditors have been quite lenient, have been gentle um, with their creditors, sorry, with people that their clients um, that owe them money. Um, government guidance, uh, cheating customer fairly under the FCA guidance, all of that. Also, the vulnerability policy, yeah. uh, quite rightly, that the FCA have uh, quite, you know, they put out there that it's extremely important that we're aware of client vulnerability, customer vulnerability. I think they've been quite gentle. But again, that can't last forever because debts need to be repaid. Yes. So yeah. uh, I think my surprise is that we are there's still a lot more to come. We've got clients coming through our door, but I do not think for one minute that we are, you know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna rise. No. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, it's it's been important. I think the FCA said recently that they expect their research shows or suggests that up to 50% of your clients of, you know, banks and building societies and, you know, places where you would borrow money from, that 50% of those people are you know, classed as vulnerable under the FCA guidelines. I mean, that's Absolutely. just a colossal number, isn't it? It's huge. I think I would be surprised if it was even more than that. Mm. This last couple of years, um, not just financial vulnerability, I think we're all vulnerable. I mean, every single client of Ditch Debt is treated as a vulnerable client, quite rightly. Yeah. Um, but we are facing circumstances that none of us have had to deal with before. Um, and I think that makes us all really vulnerable. And as we know, if you're, if you're in a vulnerable state, it can be, it doesn't necessarily mean a permanent state of vulnerability, um, but it does cloud judgment, it, it, it leads you to make choices that you probably wouldn't normally make and could potentially end up in people being in debt that maybe wouldn't have even been in that situation yeah. because it's, you know, helping them with anxiety or they're stuck in the house, as you see, Amazon, click, click nation that we are, <laughs> um, the click climate, the invisible money, um, it's, it's a lot easier to do that and when you've got nothing else to do, you know, even watching TV, there's so many shopping channels, it's so yeah. easy for that to make you feel better. So um, I, I'm not doom and gloom. I just do think that oh, once you come through this, there's a lot of emotional and financial healing um, to happen. Yes. And it's kind of, it's in the pipeline, I think, isn't it, that the the effects yeah. are really going to be felt for individuals. You know, obviously, they probably are being felt to some extent by the lenders at the moment, because obviously, they, they've had to make more accommodations. But like you say, when that comes naturally comes to an end, which it's going to have to, because that's the way the economic world works, then that delayed effect on people is going to leave them vulnerable and perhaps making more more decisions that perhaps they wouldn't have made if they weren't vulnerable or, you know, hadn't been through the stress of the Absolutely. last couple of years. Yeah. It's, and and it's I think from a, ditch, yeah, from a ditch debt perspective, and, and I really am cautious about how I, I put this across, because obviously the clients that we work with are not people that you would normally assume would ask for help. So we tend to come alongside people who, to the outside world, look like they're financially stable or even financially affluent, which has um, been some criticism in the past, which I understand. I do believe anybody who is suffering financially needs and should get support and help. But in my experience, I've worked with all different incomes and levels of people who have been in debt, and it's really sad. But my experience is there is a lot of support not enough, but there is a lot of support for people who are on extremely low incomes, uh, not enough, as I say, but they are less likely to become homeless, particularly if they have um, got council accommodation. Um, and there is less, so less likely of that. And there is potentially more help and benefits, etc., for people on extremely low incomes. That's not to say that they have enough money to survive. I get that. Because then people have to use food banks, etc. It must be just terribly sad and, and, and it can often bring on sorts of shame and stuff like that but the people we, we've kind of worked in a market sorry, an area what people to the outside world look like they're okay what that means is though they can access a level of credit that can be astronomical and and, yeah. and this and in this climate so we have had clients who have got 
over a hundred thousand pounds of credit card debt, and they can right. access that um, gotcha. quite easily because of their earnings. And in it, and they will have worked through in their mind because they'll do spreadsheets and everything, and they can spreadsheet their way out of anything. They have to work to spreadsheets that work. Um, it, it, they will tell themselves it's going to be okay because up until now it's always been okay. But with this change and with everything happening, my worry is that the people who have told themselves okay or they've been okay up till now through anxiety and stress or change of circumstances, they will take on that level of debt and not have a plan or things, something else will happen and they're stuck. Yeah, yeah. And are you seeing a particular age group in that kind of situation or is it, you know, across the board? I'd say it's across the board, but for us, the age group tends to be sort of 40s, even older, um, because we are the generation, I mean, I'm 50, so we are the first generation who had free access, you know, to quite a sizable amount of credit, I believe. And I think we've lived in a a credit generation, um, so used to having debt, used to putting things on tick and all the rest of it. um, So there is a level, it tends to be, so you know, university fees or private school fees, etc. We have come across that sort of age group where, you know, funding children's education has had such a huge impact. And maybe there's been a change in the lifestyle and it's, you know, it, it's quite a big step to say we're going to remove you from school or we're going to ask you, we can't help you towards your education anymore. That's quite a big thing for a parent to decide. Yes, I guess it 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 evokes motions of you know failure that perhaps Absolutely. if you know if you didn't go to university yourself when you know as a parent when you were younger or maybe you did you know the next generation naturally wants their children to do better than their than their generation, don't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you'll do anything for your children. Yeah. Um, you know, that's you, you know, as a parent. And so we see a lot of, and there is a lot of that. There is a lot and there's a lot of judgment of people, particularly if it's someone who earns a decent amount of money. There's a lot of judgment around that if they get themselves into financial crisis. But honestly, the majority of the people that I've seen in that position over the last, I've been doing this for, you know, since 2014 with the charity, but prior to that, I used to do, um, you know, volunteer work with clients, etc. on the basis. The majority of it is not because they've had a flash lifestyle. It's no. because... They've, they've got to a certain level of lifestyle of, of looking after children or if there's only one, um, you know, one of the party works because the other party is maybe there to look after children, raise the children, it's not for everybody, then there is. It's a, a shame. It's, they want to provide and it's really hard, particularly for men. And I'm not, I, I believe in equal opportunities, but it's a fact particularly for men, and we know in the UK, above the age of 40, it is the biggest killer of men. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't ask for help. And, and, and my, I've gone on courses, etc. My understanding is for men, particularly when it comes to money, they will take the emotion out of it to a degree and look at it on a black and white basis, yeah. i.e. I've got all this debt. We're at a point now, and they often don't share it with anyone, not even with their partners, we're at a point now that I, we can't, someone's going to have to go, going to lose the house or this is going to happen. Okay, the best way is for me to kill myself because there will be 
money will come from that. Wow. So, and, and it's, it's dreadful. It's so, so sad. So yeah. sad. Yeah. And, you know, so I guess that's one of your biggest concerns, isn't it? That this continues and, you know, even this, you know, the difficulties of people, you know, who earning a lot of money, but getting themselves access to a lot of debt very quickly and very easily, that that is exasperated as we go into 2022. So give us some tips Give us some ideas of how if you, you know, there are plenty of financial planners and CFP professionals out there who will be coming across clients who are approaching this kind of situation. There must be some things that, you know, give us some advice about what we can, what we can do to help those clients before it gets, you know, too drastically bad. So what I would say is the key signs that your client or someone you know is, is, is in a financially distressed situation would be continual use of their overdraft. So they're always going into the overdraft every month. Um, that their credit card bills are increasing monthly um, and not being repaid. And that they don't, their, their savings, their emergency savings don't increase. They've not got any capacity. So the first thing, and I know all um, financial planners know this, is is sitting down and not just saying, oh, what's your income and expenditure, but it's actually to make, to understand if your client does work a budget. You know, what is their budget? Do they work to it? And you can check if they are, because if they don't have emergency savings and aren't doing that every month, and the credit card thing and the overdraft thing, these are three key signs that someone, there's a stress in their finances. Mm. And if that is the case, the first thing is, is to look at the budget. Um, we use uh, a Money Magic, Magic workbook, and it's free. It's a free resource on our website, um, www.ditchdebtwithdignity.com. Um, and we've got free resources on there for everybody. Uh, you don't need to be in debt. Um, our Money Magic program is all about how you can understand your key numbers, your fixed costs, your income, how to save, and, and we work on a weekly budget. So it's getting the budget um, in place and stick into the budget would be the first thing. And the other thing that I've learned over the last number of years, probably more recently in the last maybe five years, is don't be quick to give your client a solution. I think the greatest gift that you can give anyone is to sit in silence with them, if that makes sense. Right. It's to allow them to tell you their situation offload where they're at and you have no judgment so you've got to manage your face even you know if you've got you've got to have no judgment yeah neutral and be a listener and then through questioning that's where coaching comes in I would urge any financial planner listening to this do a coaching certificate it was the best thing um I ever did on top of my certified and chartered exams it was it's just been invaluable for me um and it's just about the listening skills, the questioning skills, and not being too quick to have an answer. Because a lot of people know what the answer is for them, yeah. know how to get through the plan together. They just need someone to create a safe space so they can voice it out, you know, physically voice it, yeah. write it down. You can sit with a bit of paper with them, or if you're online, you can sit with bits of paper together and ask, actually say to the client, what do you think? I think the, also the other greatest gift is to work with a client and and assure them that they make good decisions. A lot of people I work with 
have lost all confidence in their ability to make these decisions because they feel so ashamed by where they are with their finances and they have big jobs. They'll do amazingly well. They're on multi-million pound budgets and be fantastic. But for whatever reason, their personal finances have just gone astray and they'll be so ashamed by that that they actually doubt themselves. And it's actually empowering someone to realise, you know what, you do make good decisions and, you know, we will get there. You have to, it's the confidence. I always talk about giving people the fish, sorry, the fishing rod, not the fish. You know, you've got to help people. That's why we do the free resources. Empower your clients. Don't be taking away their decisions. What's your gutsy? I always say that to clients. What's your gutsy? What what do you think your options are here? Let's talk them out. And often they will come up with a plan. And you can question it if you think, well, no, that sounds a bit. And there are sometimes I say, clients, are you sure about that? Let's talk about the pros and cons. Um, But quite often, just giving them the gift of space and time and a listening ear, honest to goodness, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and they, that's that's a fantastic number of things you've said there about, you know, supporting clients. And actually, I can remember, I think I've talked about on a podcast before, I did an interview, uh, an annual review with some clients, and I we were talking and I thought I'd created a safe space for them. And I said to them, you know, where do you see yourself in five years time? And they looked at each other and looked back at me and said, divorced. Um, yes. And I nearly fell off my seat. But I I guess, you know, um, as a young financial planner at that time, I I realised afterwards um, that I'd created a space, that safe space, isn't it? That they could have that conversation out loud and the financial ramifications of what they were saying, that we could do something about it to help them and support them through that. And it's it's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? That sometimes I think as financial planners, we think, we have to have all the solutions and we have to, you know, like be the knight in shining armour that charges yeah. in at the last minute. But actually we don't, do we? No, not at all. And I think uh, and I think that takes time. And, 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 and I did when I started out, thought, oh, I've got to know everything. Well, nobody knows everything. No. And, and also you have to sit in the silence. And I like to talk, don't know me, but sit in the <laughs> silence with a, a client, you know, and... Because we all know the people that we love the most. These are the people that we can sit and say nothing and feel mm. it's okay. And as advisors, you know, we're not often there. Sometimes they're friends, but, you know, there's, it's a professional relationship. Yeah. Your client should feel, it's even like to sit in silence allows them to think, yeah. you know. Yes. I think that is so powerful. Um, and yes, you're right. They'll come away with things that you just never thought about. No. And it's amazing. I love it now. I, I used to, like you, used to throw me when I was younger. But now, it's it's like when you have an epiphany. I had a client about three weeks ago said, and he sat in silence for a while. And he emailed me the next day and he went, that was amazing. He said, I had an epiphany. And I was like, I love epiphanies, you know? <laughs> yes. We <laughs> yeah, love a good like, epiphany. Um, yeah. Epiphany, it's like, I had an epiphany and I, I know I can do this now and all the rest of it. And it, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so, yeah. And I wonder whether the types of clients that you've been talking about, whether some of those types of clients actually include financial planners themselves. Absolutely. You you know, without going into too much detail. um, Yeah, I'm no longer shocked at any of the clients who come to us. We're we're open to anyone. It's totally the thing I say about 
our team is, it's it's a locked environment here. Nobody will ever find out who deals with us unless yeah. they want to share it. Um, because the shame. So the, the biggest problem we have is people will engage with us a little bit um, sometimes and then they run away again because it's too scary. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're trying to get more free resources. And, and next year our campaign is really trying to um, try and reduce the, sh- the, the shame around it. Yeah. Me, the shame about, um, you know, we've had the breast cancer awareness, you know, and that's yep. get the shame about you know, checking yourself. And obviously, testicular cancer, get away the shame about that and bowel cancer, talking about these sort of things. And I still think there's a huge, massive shame uh, for people to admit, you know what, I'm skint and, yes. and, and, and struggling. Yeah. And the, it's that kind of a bit of bravado I think sometimes isn't it that you you know you've got a big house and you've got a lovely car you know it's all on the never never and people automatically assume that you own these things outright when actually you don't and then when something happens and one it you know you're 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 living to the max if you like and when something goes wrong it doesn't even need to be a big something does it just enough to push you over the edge which starts that cascade and then you're still at least initially even when you're over the Edge, you're still thinking yeah that's fine I, you know I can get it back I can claw it back or you know and and then of course you know something like the pandemic hits and things just get out of hand totally and I think for me so one of the things which can work and I know Martin Lewis talks about this a lot and I get it does work for a lot of people if you're very regimented and focused and and um you know it's the zero interest credit card you know the moving and moving yes. and moving yeah which I get if you've got a plan and you stick to it. Um, yes. But I've had over the years a number of clients who've been on the zero interest credit card and they never, never, for years and years, and we're not getting anywhere. And I just think that gives a false crutch for some people. Not everybody, and I'm not knocking it, but I do believe that credit cards can be the work of the devil, you know, yeah. unless you pay them off every month. They definitely offer some protection, although there's, I think your debit card offers a lot more protection nowadays under the Visa debit. Yes. Um, I think credit cards really, because really, it's like invisible money, you yes. know. I'll just yeah. chuck it on the credit card and look, you know, and I've done it myself. Don't, like, it's not, I don't preach from a place of having it all together. And I've worked in financial services all my working life. So, you know, 30 odd years, I have made huge mistakes financially, yeah. you know, and I've had credit cards and next bills and all the rest of it that, you know, um, you know, I took out a personal loan to go on a two week holiday once. What's that all about? You know, when I worked in the bank. Well, yeah. Who does that? I was about 23 at the time. But you t- I took out a personal loan to go on a two-week holiday that probably didn't take me two years to pay off. Wow. Nuts. Yes. Nuts. And in the past, you know, there's you can get, because of the access to credit is so easy, you, you can... You, know, you can get bigger mortgages, can't you, than you used to be yeah. able to. You can get bigger cars, you can get HP on cars and all sorts of different things um, that you just couldn't get before, which I think is has totally. definitely left the door open for, for many of us to start feeling those consequences. Over years, you know, I've got friends who go around to their house and, you you know, last Christmas and they've got, you know, a new TV and then, you know, pop around a few months ago and looking through the window and going, well, it's not the same telly, is it? And they go, oh, no, a new model came out. And you just think, what was, yeah, the mo- what was wrong it, with the other one? Tell it, tell it, tell it, it's a cheap mate. Yeah, but 
I know, and it is. It's just become, but what worries me, and this is, you know, I do, I work with young people and try to try to work with young people, you know, the financial education aspect is, I do think that the next generation are even bigger trouble because, yes, I get that student loans are not really, we get this thing, it's not really a debt. Well, it is a debt. I get mm. that it's lower, but they're immediately when they go into university, they're taught that it's okay to take this debt. Yeah. You're immediate. Oh, take an overdraft. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like a culture. So it becomes so acceptable. Yeah. Okay, smoking's not acceptable anymore. But being in debt, having student debt, it's, and all the rest of it, it's, everybody's got it. So we're all. And I get that because we, education should be accessible for everyone. But it's mm. creating this foundation and culture of where are we talking about sticking to budget and you know what, what is if there is such a thing as good debt. You know what. Yes. You need to really understand because it can just bring you down. It can break up marriages. It can, you know, mental health. You can lose jobs because you can't focus. It's horrific when people come to the end of their financial tether. And it's actually, I think, you know, finances is is one of the three major breakups of marriages, isn't it? I think it has been for many decades, but I think, you know, it's it's still right up there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and so part of working with clients is if it's couples we work together uh, with the couple and I've done a lot of study around the emotional aspects of money and how because a lot of people can't talk about money particularly if a couple have come from different backgrounds to yes. growing up and we are impacted by our what's gone before yeah. when a, it's like anything relationship with food relationship with money buying things you know how we see the world is really how we've experienced life growing up. And um, I think, yeah, and if two people come together from different, you know, aspects, that can just be so difficult to manage. And and I've seen situations where one party pays off the debt of the other party and then, you know, decades later they might get into debt collectively and, you know, the party who was in debt when they first met feels the burden of responsibility as if it was because it was their fault getting themselves in a pickle to start with that then if they hadn't done that, the the money would have been there to pay off this debt. Totally. I mean, it's all, isn't it? Go and shame again. And it's, yeah. so I think it's being able to have those open discussions about money. Yeah. And yeah. if you're going into a long-term relationship together, I mean, it's my, it's not, it doesn't work for everybody, but my point of view is you need to, even if you don't have joint accounts, which I do believe, and again, I might get shot down for this, I think it's at least worthwhile having the joint, if you've got a home together and bills and everything, you need to work on that jointly because... It gives visibility, creates more trust. Everybody knows what's going on. It can just become so difficult for people if everything's separate. Yes. Because if, if you're sharing a home yeah. and you're, yeah, you've got mm. children together, it's not that you don't trust each other, but it's just you have to be in it together in yeah. order, I believe, for it to work long term. Again, yeah. not for everybody, it's just my experience. And I've seen it when we've worked with couples who have maybe worked separately. And I said, I've not, I mean, we never force anybody to do anything, but I do suggest trying this. Honest to goodness, it can be transformational because nobody feels they're, they're less fear. They know, they can see the whole picture. We can deal with things when we know the whole picture. Yes. You know, but we know the visibility, we know the weekly budget we've both got to work on. So 
yeah, what do you need to do this week? Okay, that's fine. We've got X amount for this week. Um, this is what, okay. And you work together on it. Yeah. No surprises. No, no surprises. All open, all cards on the table, as yeah. we say. Yeah. <laughs> so and it's hard, though. It's really hard. It is hard. Yeah. But it's, I guess that's kind of part of being in a relationship as well, isn't it? It kind of goes, totally. relationships are not swimming or don't swim along on no. in a relationship every day of the week or, you know, for all those years, do you either? So it, it, you have totally. to take the rough with the smooth and, and try and get through it together if you can. So. Totally. And I, and I, so I, like my husband and I, we laugh, and we still struggle because I, he assumes because I work for a bank and I work for financial services that I should run, you know, it doesn't go near the online banking, which is hilarious. But he's probably far better at running the day to day. He's not going to get sidetracked by a nice whatever in a shop because I'm the very, oh, you know. And so we, so whenever he said, so we'll just talk about the finances, and this is hilarious because I do it for other people all the time. I'm very confident about that. I'll go, oh, because I know he's, and he doesn't, we're very joint on it. So it's not that he's going, you he should be spending that, but I know I'm going to have to go, okay, remember that budget? Okay, let's just, we need to maybe tweak here or there. Everybody yeah. goes through it. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, so, the, the impact of children that can have on you. Because um, I know from personal experience, you know, if you've got one person, one parent, like we have in our house, who always says no when our son wants to buy something, and somebody else who always goes, oh, well, go on then. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know, that there's added pressure there, isn't there, for, you know, for that instant gratification, totally. not just for the parents, but also for the children. Totally. And you, you, it is. But it's even like, you know, I like to to sort of, buy things further because I like to see people's faces you know it gives yeah. me a huge and I think again not being sexist but women like to nurture and say buy flowers or buy you know just little things but those little things can add up whereas that I loved a bit it would be like do, do we really need to be an adult you know it's like it's just so it's having the budget and saying okay you want to do that then that's the budget for that to a degree I mean I know it's not black and white I think the safe thing is what I would say is please make sure you're saving for an emergency fund. Try yeah. and not have a credit card balance if you can and try and stay out of overdraft. That's the three sort of foundational aspects. Um, and then work to budget, but it's hard. Yeah. And and actually, I think you know, what we'll do at the at the end of this interview, if, if uh, for anybody listening, we'll put all the links to uh, the Ditch Debt with Dignity website and your your many magic free resources as well to help financial yeah. planners who are coming across clients. And actually, hopefully, they'll be able to give them the support to find the help that they need um, through to, you know, in 2022 and beyond. Um, I think that'd be a really worthwhile thing to do. And obviously, if they need help themselves, um, if they're in one of the situations that we've been talking about today, then, you know, they they know where to go. There are, it's funny, isn't it? You know, there are plenty of places to go for help and support. But it is all about the the stigma that I think we, we, we as a society put around being in debt and that kind of mixed in with keeping up with the Joneses and the pressures of children and, all, you know, really heightened by the pressures at this time of the year, you know, and also leading on to mental health aspects that we touched on earlier, you know, there are, there are plenty, lots of other charities that will help if Absolutely. our listeners are in that situation, aren't they? So you've got your your Citizens Advice, fantastic organisation, amazing people. Um, Step Change, 
at an amazing charity, nationwide charity. I mean, we're up, you know, I, I would hope any financial planners listen to this. I would, you know, if they're struggling at all, you know, please contact me, um, you know, through the charity. We've got a portal. We can't. We can only really help people in our local area because we're quite a small charity. So we, we support people face to face, as it were, in the sort of north of Scotland region. However, our resources are open to anyone, you know, yeah. and we'll be putting a lot more. So the other thing people can do is follow us on, on social media because next year we're really hoping to um, launch some more resources to build a bit of a community and really start talking about people being able to share the fact that they've got financial stress and how we can help each other um, and, and not feel alone. It's that thing again, isn't it? Not feeling yes. alone and not being ashamed. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Well, we um, here at your financial pla- your financial planning maestro, we are definitely going to be supporting you, Wendy, and your um, your Thank debt you. charity as we go into twenty twenty two and beyond. And I'm sure there's many financial planners out there who would love to get involved and help support you along the way as well. So um, we are actually out of time now. Oh, it's oh, been so lovely to talk to you. One thing, one thing, I've up. <laughs> Well, I've been speaking. So the last thing I'd like to say, the book that really helped me, I think I've said before, is this Time to Think by Nancy Klein. Yes. It was a game changer for me, all about the sitting in silence thing. Any Anybody really, but certainly financial planners, Time to Think by Nancy Klein. I'd highly recommend that book. Okay, we will pop that link in to the, um, the, the written information that comes out with the podcast Perfect. as well. Wendy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so Thank much. You. And uh, we look forward to watching and reading about all of your efforts and hopefully supporting you along the way in 2022 with all your great work that you're doing. Keep it up and thanks very much. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It's really interesting, isn't it, to listen to other people's points of view about different things, all relating to our wonderful financial planning profession. If you know anyone who might be interested in listening to any of these podcasts, please pass on our details to them. So that's it from me. Join me again next time when we'll be talking all things Certified Financial Planner related and also dropping in on our new entrants to the financial planning profession. Bye for now.